Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci. And today for episode number 34, I'm talking with Galen Vinter of ClientFlow. Galen's a front-end developer by trade. But after working at a startup for a few years, he decided to venture out on his own as a consultant. He was able to quickly build up a client base, but he found that managing client interactions was a different problem entirely, and there wasn't much out there on how to do this well. He quickly learned that delivering a great product for your client is crucial to success. That's obvious. But that's also only really half of what ultimately makes a project successful. The other half is managing their expectations from the start, ensuring that you stick to them, and delivering a great experience. Through a lot of trial and error, Galen has developed a system to make client communication easy, and he's here today to share that system with us. If your clients are ever holding you up, but you don't have a great way to tell them it's their fault that you missed the deadline, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Galen. Galen, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So I think a lot of uh, my listeners would say that running an agency is great if it weren't for all the clients. And I think that's something that you, a lot of people feel because it's just it can get overwhelming. And you can help make client communication run more smoothly for agency owners and for the client. But before we kind of dive into the meat of the show, can you just share your quick 60-second backstory for our listeners who aren't as familiar with you? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm based in Boston. Uh, I worked with um, a company, a startup called Playster for several years before setting off on my own to do some consulting work. I'm a front-end developer kind of by trade and um, spent um, a little bit less than a year consulting. Had some issues with client management in particular. They kind of surprised me. They seemed, it seemed great because I had three to four kind of awesome clients. And so I thought like the world was made for me. And there's these kind of like really, really simple but um, kind of universal communication issues I was having with clients and it wasn't being fixed by kind of the tools I had. So that's kind of what launched me into building client flow. What were those problems? Like what is wrong with the way most freelancers, most agencies are handling client management? Well, I don't think, I mean, part of the problem is there just haven't been any good tools available. And so I think that there are good tools out there, but not good tools specifically for people and client services. Um, so, you know, support people have help desks, salespeople have CRMs, project managers have task management systems, but people who manage clients, uh, you know, have kind of communication that's high output, high input going both ways, don't really have a tool up until this point that supported that relationship. Yeah, because when you were on Brian Castle's podcast, I, I heard him say that he uses, I think it was Help Scout and it, for a lot of the stuff, and it was like, that's not a tool that I guess could work, but it's clearly not built for this situation. Yeah, and they're, they're based in Boston. They're brilliant. They're totally brilliant. Um, love those guys. But I was really surprised when I realized that too. So um, I just, you know, it's not, it's not actually uncommon to hear that though. The more you talk to agencies that are trying to productize, especially, they're trying, they say, hey, we have, you know, certain types of communications, certain types of processes that are really only supported if we kind of hack other solutions um, that aren't necessarily meant for us, but kind of fit 80%, maybe 60% of what we're trying to do. And so what are those things that the current tools miss? Like if I'm using 
just standard help desk software to run my client communications, what aren't I getting out of it? So help desks, for example, are set up to be kind of a one-to-one conversation. The idea is that, you know, there's many tickets coming in and you want to assign that to one support person and then get a response back as quickly as possible and close out that ticket. But that isn't really normal client interaction. Um, kind of in the real world, anyone who does client service knows that, you know, if there's multiple people on your team, at some point you're going to be pulling multiple people into a conversation at once. And oftentimes there are multiple people on the client side too. So you're having more of a many-to-many conversation, uh, you know, on a day-to-day you know, um, situation with clients. And so help desks aren't traditionally built for that. They're not, they're built to be, have tickets passed, um, among teammates, but it'd be really inefficient for support teams to have software that encourages multiple people to be, uh, interacting on every ticket. Right. So how are you kind of handling this day-to-day client interaction when you were doing your own freelancing? Yeah, I was working uh, directly out of email for a while. And then as I started working with, I, I would pair with a designer or uh, another kind of a product designer, we would use Basecamp sometimes. And Basecamp is used by, I don't even know how many people, they they they, they release some of their numbers, there, um, but not all of them. But I mean, everyone in our, you know, in our industry is kind of bounced off of Basecamp at some point in time. And they build really awesome software too. And their, their new software, V3, version three of their, their platform is really interesting too. But, uh, it's, it's a very specific kind of flavor of project management and it's an all in one solution, um, not specifically for uh, client management. Those were the, the two things we bounced back and forth between. But the problem was that, you know, in email, I would have to remember to CC people or, you know, and things would get kind of thrown in a loop. And, uh, in, in Basecamp, you know, half my clients would say, uh, no, I don't use that. <laughs> I just, I'm not, I don't want to create an account. I don't want to create a password. I don't know what that is. Um, or what was even worse than them just saying no was them signing up and then not using it. So that's, that's like one of those problems where you don't even see it coming until you just realize, oh, my client's not engaged in this because they just don't like the tool. They, they kind of refuse without, you know, putting their foot down, but just by lack of use. So they said, you know what, I don't want to log into this every two weeks to figure out and refigure out how to use it. What is the impact of that? Like, in, in my mind, is it something that is just kind of stressful to deal with as the agency owner? Or does it have, like, bigger a bigger impact on the actual, like, delivery of the project and, and keeping those client relationships good? Like, how does this impact the client? Yeah, I mean, the, the kind of agencies we, I talk to, um, really say that you know they are they so rarely are late on delivering anything. It's it's the reason why things run late, and oftentimes you know a lot of agencies say most things run late, and it's they run late in some way, shape, or form because the client is holding them up. That's that's their kind of conclusion, and they don't have a way of you know a really solid way of saying hey like you're holding us up because that's kind of rude. Like that's not that's not a great way to like get repeat business to say, Hey guys, it's your fault again. It's your fault again. We got to keep this moving. And so they find, they find other ways to kind of make sure that they don't lose money on, on these projects that just aren't really sustainable and that don't build good relationships. What are the ways that they kind of try to make sure that they aren't losing money on those projects? Like how do they handle that? Yeah. I mean, anyone who's run an agency knows you, you pad budgets, you just pad projects and you say, Hey, 
uh, we're going to, you know, this is probably going to cost us 20 grand to do. Uh, we need to make some margins, so let's call it 25. And then I'm assuming that the agent, that the client is probably going to cause this much backup. And so let's just toss another 5K on it just for, for safe measure. Because, you know, if the client really does back you up that much, you start getting into this dangerous territory where uh, you could start losing money on projects. And when you only have so many clients at a time, they're much higher stakes. There's, uh, I, th- I think it's, to me, it, like, it reminds me of, if, um, if people knew how much of their, the money that goes to, like, how much they pay healthcare and, like, charitable donations, like, if they knew how much that went to administrative costs, they would just, they would scream. They'd be furious. Uh, and I think that the same thing kind of ends up happening in the agency world. And I don't think agencies want to do it. I don't think that agencies believe that that's, like, a great method. Um, but I think that it's, it's somewhat justified. It's a shared responsibility. The client you know, isn't always participating as much as they should be. That's a totally normal thing because they have their own work to deal with. They're thinking, hey, I'm hiring these people to, to do something. Why am I spending so much time on it? Uh, and at the same time, it's the agency's fault. The agencies often don't have the processes in place to, at the get-go, say, hey, this is our pro- these are our processes. These are, this is the plan, and this is how we do things. And we need you to, to go with us on these things because if you don't, uh, it's not going to work. It's just not going to add up. Yeah, and it seems like that mindset is is one that sets aside agencies that are getting by and agencies that are really thriving. The ones that are able to have kind of that clear set of processes to make things work and that are able to set expectations up front and and communicate those to the clients. Because you're right, if it's agencies often want to blame the clients, but if you haven't made it clear what they're supposed to do, why it matters, and how they can do it, it that's kind of your fault. But the other thing is it seems like even if they have those processes in place, it's the actual like enforcing, the actual executing them, actually making sure you're not making your client's life hell by giving them just another tool they have to use just for you and this and that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first thing you said was was basically like client work would be great if it wasn't for the clients. Uh, I think, you know, the funny thing is that people who uh, run agencies um, do that for a living. Clients aren't clients for a living. That's not what they specialize at. And so it's, that really makes it the fault of the agency for, for not helping the client be better clients. No, I agree entirely. It's, it's like it's something that it's easy to complain about. And every once in a while, you do have a bad client, you need a vent. Like, I get that. But you're right. Like, they're not professional clients. Like, they're coming to you. You're supposed to be the expert. They're paying you to help guide them through this. And so when you kind of just let the process go on its own, you're not really doing your job. The, the goal is to really at the end of the day, you're trying to, agencies are trying to build um, great experiences for clients. That's what matters the most because regardless of whether a project turns out good or great or excellent, uh, the, the client will come back for more business or refer you out if at the end of the day, they're just like, that really worked. Like I had an, ex- like I trust them. I trust that they'll come back and do a good job again. Um, I, you know, I would trust them with my friends. That, that's the kind of experience you want. Um, and that experience isn't built by, you know, showing them a great portfolio. It's not built by, uh, you know, delivering something excellent. It, that, that helps and that makes a big difference. But that's really only half of, half of what, you know, makes a, uh, a project successful. The other half is really building their building experience and helping them with expectations. Yeah, so let's dive into that a bit. Like what should, because I get what the agencies are doing wrong, but what should they be doing differently specifically? Like what sort of steps should they be taking to create this great experience? Uh, 
you, you know, it's really about communication. So the clients experience two things in a project. They experience uh, the, the communication, so talking to you or emailing with you or calling, you know, having uh, video conferences. Um, and then they experience the end product. Um, those are like the two major experiences in every project. And the third one is the kind of the funny one, which is money leaving their bank account. And so that's not, that's nothing you can do about that. So that's just, that's what that is. But, um, so you have those two experiences to deal with. So you can build a great product uh, for them, a great project. Um, but the rest of it is really about communication. So it's about communication of, uh, you know, around goals. It's around setting expectations. It's around, um, regular updates. It's around explaining, uh, the kinds of, the kinds of nuances that, you know, your agency you know, inherently knows, but a client wouldn't necessarily know. Um, I was actually on a call with an agency out of Europe this morning, and um, the, the I was I was talking to one of the project managers, and he said, "I feel like I'm a a taxi cab operator, where people call me, and then I send a taxi to them. I send one of my people to them to talk to them." And he's like, I need a way to actually know what those conversations are. I have no insight into what they are. They're just happening. They like go and the, like the taxi ride is taken and then they come back and they say, yep, got it. Like the ride's over. It was successful. And he just has no insight. And so without that, that general insight, without knowing what the pieces are of, of, you know, the communication, you can't even start to fix the communication pieces because most agencies have you know, multiple people working, having multiple email conversations that are across multiple inboxes. And so they're siloed, unless, of course, there's a, some sort of, you know, everyone's CCing and, 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 you know, taking care of that. But like, that doesn't even fix the problem of saying, hey, just show me all the conversations I've ever had with client X. There's just no way to do that right now. I know how you help this. I don't want to jump the gun and just immediately talk about the great things that ClientFlow can do. What can an agency do to at least try to address this on their own? Totally. So, yeah, um, there's a agency called ThoughtBot based in Boston. And uh, now they're all over the place. They're super impressive. But the thing that's always stood out for me with them is that they um, publish, publicly published this a document called a playbook. And that playbook is is their whole entire process from, you know, beginning to end. And it includes the way they, they design, the way they, they develop. It includes the way they pass things off to clients. It includes the way that they manage clients. And so they have literally a, a, you know, a document they can hand over to absolutely anyone that's, you know, readable by anyone of any technical um, level. And they can understand basically how a project will go from start to finish with them. Um, That's incredibly powerful. Like that's, that's, there's no better way to set expectations than literally give them your whole entire playbook. You know, one of the things that I think, I think about in terms of if I had more bandwidth, what would I work on? It would be, it would be actually helping people build um, playbooks for their agencies. Because I think that there's just, you know, if, if people had a way of putting down the processes they actually want um, to, to go through during projects with clients then um, and then they were able to you know express those and document those for the clients to see on a regular basis and then refer back to them when you hit a hiccup. Uh, I think that most projects would go significantly better because it would hold both the client and the and the agency more accountable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's when I was talking with uh, one of my guests a couple months back, Nate McGuire. He runs a 
basically an on-demand kind of development shop, and he he basically white labels the service, so he partners with bigger agencies. And his big thing was that he's able to get quotes to them within 24 hours and he guarantees them. And the only reason he can do that without like losing his shirt is by having very strictly defined processes, how every, he knows how every step is going to go. And so he knows that he's going to produce a consistent result every project. And the agencies his partners would see that as well. And he's grown tremendously from that. But what parts of the process do you think agencies are messing up in right now like i agree process is important to know where to begin where to end where everything is in between but where do you think they're slipping up right now oh man i mean it i know there's a ton yeah. i know it's like it's kind of a straw man as well but because i know a lot of agencies to start out freelancing they're creative types and they grow they, they get more projects by word of mouth and they just kind of do things as they come without much eye for process at all so it's like if you don't have much to work with where would you start so i would start with really really kind of doing um kind of an introspective exercise where figuring out the kind of agency you want to be and the types of projects you want but i think you know that's kind of step one so knowing who you are is is definitely step one if you are an agency you come in with a certain amount of knowledge like there's a reason why people are hiring you and so I think it's really important to never start from scratch. I, I know that there are a lot of pro projects that are strategic and that require um, unique thinking from the ground level. But I think that it's really important, like it's really painful to see agencies start from scratch on a project and not, uh, you know, bring to a project in, in, in the view of, a, of the client, like here are the things that we already know. Here are the things that, you know, we've done in other projects that are, you know, what we consider institutional knowledge and that's kind of the reason, well, part of the reason why you want us is because we, we've been here and done that. And so, like, let's get us 50% into the project with the knowledge. And so, you know, save on research, save on whatever. And that, you know, that's, that's one of those things that I think that a lot of agencies kind of say, you know, are, are busy closing the deal and busy saying, you know, helping the client think big about what it could be. And instead, they should probably, like, what I, what I would hope to see more of would be seeing more you know, tangibles, seeing more of what they bring to the table as opposed to what they could bring. Because anyone who's hired an agency uh, or bought real estate or rented real estate <laughs> knows that, like, you're just not going to get the full 110% that you imagined. Um, because you're, you start learning more as you go through the, any process like this. And you come out the other side with something different. And it's not necessarily worse. It's just different. And so I think that things like institutional knowledge that can come from the agency side can really help uh, improve the the expectations um, from start to finish on on client projects. Yeah, and not to go on a complete tangent about real estate, but coming from the Boston market, it's, it's almost hard not to. Where it's like in Boston, for listeners that don't know, the standard for renting an apartment is that you pay basically four months rent on moving. You pay first and last month's rent, a one month security deposit, and then you you the tenant pays the realtor one month fee. Yeah. And so you would think that when you're paying usually a couple thousand bucks to a realtor, like they would have, like you were saying, some institutional knowledge to help you with this. But oftentimes they don't. And that's actually how I ended up near where you're living now is because I just went to one of the newer buildings, didn't have to deal with a realtor and just avoided it because I just was done with the process. And it's like clients oftentimes have similar frustrations when dealing with agencies that it's 
they're not getting the treatment they deserve. It's being treated like they're just churning out another project. And you're right. It's frustrating. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, uh, I think it's you know I was I was having having lunch with a friend who runs an agency here in Boston last week, and they're really thinking they've done a really wonderful job of niching down and and thinking deeply on on some really big big name projects. Um, so it's really impressive to w- watch them over the last I think three or four years, maybe five years now, um, kind of grow as an agency. And they're coming to a point again where they're kind of saying, hey, um, we want to do the next thing, but like let's really think hard about what that next thing is. Um, before we just jump into it, like we, we really want to know what we should expect and also the types of clients that we, we want to actually attract. Because if we just go in without, you know, some sort of reasonable expectation again, where we're going to get, we're going to get really, we're going to be surprised and probably not in a good way. So like going, going in, um, open mind, not just open minded, but really kind of, uh, I don't know, like with, with kind of more, with, with, with more kind of on your back, you know, really knowing more the institutional knowledge, I just can't. I no. Can't. And I think that's, that's right. And as you get narrower in focus, it's easier to have real institutional knowledge. When you're a generalist doing kind of anything and everything that someone brings to you, you'll learn some best practices that can apply in theory to most things, but you don't gain a lot of those that institutional knowledge that works specifically within within this niche. You've worked with a dozen other clients who do similar things. You know what works. It would almost be like being a realtor that specializes in a specific neighborhood. When agencies are able to kind of embrace these principles and implement in their business, how does that change things? Like how does it make things easier for them, for their client? Like what is it like if an agency does this perfectly? Like ThoughtBot, I mean, as an example, how are things different with them? So, I mean, I've never worked directly with them, so I, I can't, I can only imagine uh, the kind of the head start it gives them. But I think about it as, as really a head start. And I think that a lot of agencies worry about it feeling like a head start and feeling like the, you know, they, they promised that they'd build like a house from scratch and really they delivered like the frame on a truck. <laughs> and that would like, you know, they're worried what that'll look like when they're, when they say they're a creative agency, but really they walked in after, you know, two days with some basic wireframes just to see, you know, and they're like, oh, well, here are these wireframes. We want to know what you guys think of this. So we are on the same page about where this is going. And they're like, wait, you did that in two days. Like we're paying you an unbelievable, you already had those. It's like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Like there's only like 10 different ways to style a homepage. And it seems like there's a million, but there's really only 10. So like, let's start from there. Like we know that most people would actually get, you know, bill you for three weeks just to like pretend like they're restyling these 10. So let's just give you the 10 and start from, and like, it's a huge head start. Um, the guy I just mentioned, actually, he, one of the things he said was he loves, they bill weekly. Um, and he just said he loves giving money back on a budget because it keeps them honest and it keeps, and it really shows the, the client that they really care about the client's goals. And that if at the end of the day, they only needed 15 hours for, for 20 hours of research, they really came to a solid conclusion, then like, let's take that, those five hours and put it somewhere else or whatever it is. Uh, however, you, you, you kind of sum up your hours or your weeks or whatever. It's just one of those things where it's like, hey, like, we do not start from square one. We kind of start, you know, start a couple uh, steps in. And that's, that's important. But it's, it's also important, like with any part of client work, to explain to your client um, why something is the way it is. Um, institutional knowledge isn't something you just plop in front of a client and then say, you're welcome. 
it's one of those things you say, hey, this is institutional. This is our, this is one of the reasons why you hire us. Because and, and, that, and that goes back to what you were saying before is the clients, you're a professional, what you do, you're an expert. The client doesn't even know why immediately why it's such a big deal, the institutional logic. If you just, like you said, if you just show up with a few options, they don't know how much work it is just to get down to those options. And so when you're able to educate them on that, that you're right, a head start is the best way of putting it. And I also think that it's the other point you touched on about how being honest and how being efficient and how using your institutional knowledge to kind of leverage your assets and free up time, it, it puts you in more of a partnership with the client. And that's something that most clients don't experience. So, so that when you can actually deliver on that, you're really setting yourself up for a truly long-term relationship. Totally. Totally. And I think, were you talking to Carl Sackis about, yep. uh, I think he mentioned the difference between like a partnership and like being, being given work, which is like, like, you know, quasi employment or whatever it is. And, and knowing and like both types are totally okay, but knowing which type of relationship you're actually building is also really important. Um, because if you want to bring different tools to that, you know, to that, uh, to that project. Right. If it's, you can either be an order taker, a builder, or you can be the architect, or you can be a trainer who teaches the architect. You can be any of those things, but if you don't know which one you are, you're going to have a really hard time building an agency. Totally. Totally. I'm going to stop Galen right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but when we come back, he's going to reveal how the tool he is building can help solve all these problems with ease. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners. And while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork, but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's kick it back to Galen. And so now let's kind of get into the solution. The, the product that you've been working on, the product you're building is ClientFlow. Like how does ClientFlow help solve these problems? Yeah, so ClientFlow is a way for agencies, for teams to manage um, all communication with clients, with the clients that they have on, the, on their projects. And the key there is that um, communication, those conversations that a team is having with clients, shouldn't be siloed in inboxes. And so there's kind of two staples. That's one of them. But one of them is just, I'm, you know, I'm a project manager. I should just be able to see all the conversations that my team's having. There's nothing special, like, nothing private there. Like that, that really is what we should consider institutional knowledge. Um, and the second piece is that uh, we need to build something that when we started this, we said we figured out that we have to build something that clients don't have to log into. It needs to be email for them. It just needs to come to their inbox and they press reply just like they would, you know, when, when their spouse emails them in the middle of the day. Like it needs to be that simple. And it also just can't come via a, a special app. They, can't, they don't, shouldn't have to download anything. It literally comes to their phone or wherever they are 
in um, a, a medium they already use. And so, and that, that's kind of like the, the, you know, increase the amount of institutional knowledge and collaboration that's happening internally while also increasing the amount of engagement um, that's likely on the client side. Because remember, like the clients are the ones who often are blocking um, a project from being successful. And so, you know, every day that they wait to, you know, to approve an approval request is money for an agency. And so the, the, the key is to get them in the politest way possible to get them to own that responsibility and approve it because you need to be able to bill them for that extra day, but you don't want to because that of course is going to hurt the relationship. So you always are, agencies are always stuck with this. Do we bill them for that thing or do we just save the relationship and not bill them? And you want to reduce the amount of uh, times that happens because that's where the padding starts. Mm. And I think that's brilliant because it's like, if you think about it from the client's perspective, if you're using Basecamp because it makes your life easier and makes managing the project easier, but like if I'm the client, this is just another thing that I have to deal with. Why do I need to create an account for this? Like, how does this help me? And you can make the argument, well, it'll make the project go smoother, it'll make this and that. But at the end of the day, you're still asking the client to do more work. And so if you can live kind of within the, the inbox, within a tool that they're already using, they may not love email, but they use it. It's not something new that they have to learn how to do. Then you're getting them on board. You're really building engagement. And you're actually getting them to follow the procedures that you've kind of built up until this point. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and once you have all of the communication with clients in, in this one medium going through, so for, for us, it's, it's client flow. So, um, you know, if, if for the agencies that use client flow, they basically are able to streamline all communication um, together and say, Hey, like I know that it, when I search client flow for, you know, all the conversations, you know, let's say in the last five days with this client, uh, I know I have them all. So if I went on vacation or I had to add, add a designer to a project and they had to look up these conversations or, you know, I uh, had to bring on another project manager, whatever it is, or the, the manager or the agency partner wants to come in and just check in on how a project's going because for whatever reason, uh, you know that you are going to get up to date because really the status of a project doesn't actually really live in task management systems. Uh, the status of the project actually lives in the communication. It, it lives in the the experience again, the experience of the clients, the communication to the client, and their acknowledgement of what's going on. And so that's where you have to be able to attach um, data. And right right now, we consider email um, to be basically the equivalent of chat. It's it's a little more it's you know more asynchronous and it's it's more easily searched. Um, but otherwise, it's it's basically chat where it's a black hole. And, um, it's a black hole because it's not, it's not easily shared and, um, it's not, it's not organized in terms of projects and clients. It's organized in terms of recipients, uh, and participants, which is not the right, that's just not set up for client services. But so, and so the idea is to basically get the communication in a place where you can, you can really wrap your hands all the way around it. And you can say this, this is the communication we have with this client. And then we can start quantifying it. We can start saying, Hey, this client opens only 80% of your emails. Like, let's, let's think about why, like, why, why on earth are they only open? Oh, you, you haven't emailed this client in two weeks. Like, why the heck haven't you emailed this client in two weeks? And you start, so the, the engine, you know, once we know what communication is happening, um, we get to start knowing, we get to start making better decisions around managing that client's experience and communicate by communicating with that client in different ways. I'm, I mean, this is one of the, the times where kind of the audio only format 
does us a bit of a disservice. And so I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of, because I'm looking at the website, I'm seeing the screenshots, I'm seeing roughly how it works. And I understand how it is different. It's a purpose. I, I almost see it as like a purpose built help desk. It's different than just simple help desk software, but I feel like that's an easy way to kind of describe how it works, like in how you open threads, you can add people on in like the dashboard and all of that. Is there a way you can think of to kind of better give a visual for what using the tool is like? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think that's a, that's really fair is that it kind of feels like a help desk in a certain way. Um, but it's really set up, the interface is set up a bit more to support um, you as the person who starts the conversations as opposed to someone on the outside always starting the conversations. Okay, that, that makes sense. How does this fit in with project management tools? Because I'm guessing you're not telling people to get rid of Basecamp internally or to get rid of Trello or whatever else they're using. So how does this all fit in with that? Yeah, great question. So we, you know, this is not going to be your new task management system. We think that there are some really brilliant ones out there. Um, Asana and Trello and Basecamp all do really interesting things. Todoist and Anydo and Zendu, and there's just a million of them. And there's a bunch of different ways uh, to skin the cat. So there's, there's, there's a lot of different interfaces out there. And at the end of the day, all their APIs are basically the same. So what we are able to do instead of trying to recreate a task management system is we're able to integrate with them. So we're able to say, okay, you use, um, let's say you use Trello. Great. Let's, um, quickly query Trello for all the items, all the cards that you completed in the last two days, um, on this project. And let's just grab those and put them in this thread and send those to the client. Because really what, what client flow is about is the communication piece. And, and because one of the hardest like, tasks, tasks are easy. Making a list is easy. And talking to your teammates about those lists is pretty darn easy. Talking to someone who isn't doing the tasks is pretty hard. And so we're trying to help with the translation of what you're doing internally to helping the client understand that. And so, you're sort of the layer in between. Exactly. Yeah. And so there are a bunch of kind of specific interactions that happen between clients, uh, and, and agencies. Um, there's, there's approvals, which is something that doesn't usually actually have, um, an app for it. But so what we do is we help you actually build an approval that has, you know, technically a due date and a bunch of content and you send that to one or many client contacts and, uh, they can, you know, it hits them in the email again and they can click approve right there. Or they can view it in the browser, but either way, it doesn't require a password. And once they approve, that's like on the record for you. You have all the list of every approval your, you know, your agency has ever sent out and the dates that it was approved and who approved it. And why that's important is because you're, you, you need a way of showing your client that um, they're not just saying, hey, yeah, totally good. <laughs> Keep going. Um, because I mean, I remember, I remember the first time that I screwed up an approval because I was trying to be really polite when I was consulting and I sent something to a client. I say, Hey, how does that look? And that's me was like asking for their approval. Um, so I can move to the next phase. And so, and they said, looks great. And I said, and I said, great. And so I, I worked for another two weeks, um, on the next phase and I delivered that. And they said, yeah, I don't, I don't think the original thing works now. I said, well, you already approved that. And he said, no, I didn't. I said, it looks good. And it was like that, oh. that light bulb moment of like, oh, you did. You're absolutely right. That is my fault. That right. is not your fault. And whether you know what you did or not, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's completely my fault. 
Um, and I just didn't have a way of, of kind of organizing an official approval. And so, again, though, the way, it's not just about having an approval, but it's also about showing the client that they're responsible for it. So attaching like a due date to it, it's almost like you're giving them a task, but it's, it's as simple as tasks go. They either respond to the email and you start a conversation um, with feedback or with questions, or they click the approve button. So it's not exactly a complicated task, um, and it's still delivered directly to their email, but it shows that you know they are responsible for something, and it's due by a certain date. Otherwise, the project's going to get bumped. Yeah, it removes a lot of the ambiguity. Exactly, and it does it in a polite way. Especially when you're starting out, you kind of tread carefully. And you, like you're saying, you're trying to be polite about the way you do this, but a lot of times you you don't have to be rude, but you do need to be explicit in that, like, I'm asking for an actual formal approval. Is this okay to go forward? And this is a way where, like, there's no guessing about it. It kind of declares exactly what the intentions are. Exactly. exactly. When When did you start working on this? ClientFlow is actually the second app um, we've worked on. The first one was experimental, and it was basically to test some of the, the hypotheses we had around um, an app, a client communication app. So it was, it was called Project Pulse. The idea was um, project status pages. So you could send like a link to clients to show them where um, a, client, a project was. So you know, hey, you have 10 milestones. We're on milestone five. We're halfway through the project. Everything's going great. And so that's where we kind of um, figured out that, hey, first of all, it has to be delivered in email. Um, so email, it needs to be an email platform. And the second thing we, we learned was that clients, um, we validated that clients do not want to create an account. That, that's so severe that actually most clients don't even want to go to a website. They literally just want to get something in email. That is the way to guarantee client participation. And if they don't respond to email, then you should really pick new clients. Because I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they're like, you know, people, my clients SMS me all the time. So when are you going to integrate with Twilio? And I was just like, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you have good relationships right. with clients. I think that's a different issue. Um, and not to, not to knock, I mean, it sounds like that was like, they get to a certain point and he's, they're more comfortable and it's whatever. But like, I was just like, I don't, that's not what we're trying to build right now. That's actually not, I don't think that's going to help as much as it's going to enable and things you don't want them to do. But I could, I could be totally wrong there. No, I mean, I think that's a good point is that you're right in that this not placates, but this makes it easy for the clients. But at the same point, you don't want to just, you still want to have a process that the clients should and do need to follow. And so just saying, send me a letter, text me or Snapchat me or whatever, like that's probably going a little too far. But but I, I do see how this all fits in. Can I go to the website right now and, and sign up? You can't right now. So we're in private access only. So we have a handful of accounts now. And I, I actually manually onboard people right now because we really like to have like a full conversation with our early users because we give them a lot of time and effort. So we really say, hey, who are you? What are you working on? What are the problems you're we're trying to solve? Like we want to build features that work for you. Um, and so that requires a conversation. And we basically say, you know, if you, if you register for an early invitation, um, you'll get an email. And it'll say, hey, respond to me and let me know a little bit about you and we'll, I'll email you back immediately and we'll jump on Skype and then we'll go from there. Um, so we're going to probably be a month or two away from opening it up to public access so we can keep um, you know, learning from our early users because we've been having kind of really wonderful insights from, from people you know, having weekly conversations with some of these people um, and they're just giving really great feedback. And so we want to continue that because we want to build you know, a tool that really lasts um, and really works. So that's really important to us. So, and you can always, you know, if, if someone's dying to get in, you can always just email me directly, um, galen at clientflow.io. 
So if our listeners do want to give this a spin, they do want to kind of check it out. Should they should they just go to the website, sign up for getting an invitation, or what what should be their next step? Yeah, either that or email me directly. Or you can even tweet at me. I'm at, <laughs> at Gvinter. Uh, any of those work. What about a text message? Does that work too? No text messages. <laughs> absolutely no text messages. <laughs> but so so what's next? You said you're you're working with the getting people onboarded, you're hoping to kind of open it to a bit wider release in the next few months. But where do you see kind of the the long-term um, future of client flow. We really want to change the way agencies think about the way they do business. And they, I really think that there's an opportunity for agencies to realize that the, a great client experience is the core of their business. And we want to be the people who help them realize that and help them improve their client experiences. And so we want to continue building tools that, um, that help them focus on building those great experiences. Nice. And so before we say goodbye, there's one thing I, I just want to ask is do, if for the agency who's looking to maybe they're not even at a point where they're ready for a tool to help with this. They just need to get started building the processes. We touched on a little bit, but like what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's really just trying to systematize their business a bit more? How should they go about doing that? The, the trial and error, build a, build a process list, uh, and then try it and fix things that don't work, fix them constantly. Um, and I would just really focus on, you know, niching down more because, um, niching down can be definitely be more valuable. Um, focus on building client experiences that you're proud of that people will talk about. Uh, and so that client experience is, is core. And so start noticing the things that clients kind of go wide eyed over and then think about productizing. So productizing allows you to kind of build a build a productized service uh, that is that is somewhat standard, and so you get to practice making building processes. So you get to you get to do the same thing over and over again a bit, um, and it helps you um, reinforce the other processes where things need to be a bit more creative and a bit more uh, fluid. Yeah, I think the the productizing suggestion is great because it forces. You're right that it forces an agency to do the same thing day in day out so you have to get good at you ha- like you have no choice but even if you're not going that route it also goes back to what you said earlier with about never starting from scratch and it's almost just a mindset that you are repeating many tasks over and over again so at least think about how you can make get better over time with that exactly yeah no so galen that was a great chat thank you so much for coming on the show today thanks for having me andy Galen hit the nail on the head when he said that just delivering a good result for your client is not enough. You need to stay on top of your communication from day one so you can manage expectations and fix any issues before they derail the project. And whether you use a tool like ClientFlow or find your own solution, there are three things that are important to keep in mind. First, you can't leave communication to chance. You need a process that lays out when you reach out to your clients and what you need to get from them at every stage of the project. Second, don't start every project from scratch. Work to develop institutional knowledge like templates and processes so that the repetitive tasks you follow don't take up more time than they need to. And third, adapt your communication so that it doesn't create more work for your client. And I'm not saying you need to follow every crazy whim your client has and read text messages from them at 3 in the morning. But the less friction there is for them to communicate with you and stay up to date on the project, the better. Ultimately, good communication with your clients, set expectations up front for what their responsibilities are and what your responsibilities are. This minimizes surprises, prevents delays, and ensures that things don't fall through the cracks. 
Delivering a good result is important, but great communication is what makes agencies stand apart from the rest. That's all I have for you guys this week. Next week, I'll be back with Mandy Ellison, who will share, among other things, a simple trick to get back hours of your time every single week. Talk to you then. See ya.